Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. Please stay tuned for another lesson on this program by Jeff Archie. Are you listening? Thank you, Jay, and greetings to everyone. It is a privilege to come across your radio dial, be downloaded from your favorite podcast site, or to have you tune in on the Internet. Wherever it may be, you made a choice to be with us today, and on behalf of everyone with the International Gospel Hour, we want to thank you. And we hope our study today will not let you down, will encourage you, and help us to press onward. I was thinking about Matthew 17, beginning with verse 1, Jesus and His Transfiguration. Allow me to read, beginning with Matthew 17, verse 1, and I'll read through verse 8. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. May the Lord always bless us with the reading and the hearing and the application of His Word. What a beautiful text that affirms the authority of Christ given by the Father. We see Jesus assuring the fears of Peter, James, and John and calming their fears and moving them totally away. They descend from the mountain as Jesus continues to instruct Peter, James, and John in verses 9 through 13. Oh, what a blessed walk that had to have been to walk with the Christ. Then in Matthew 17 and verse 14, after they come off the mountain to the valley, there they dealt with a man concerned with his son who was possessed with a devil. And Jesus is telling them of his death, burial, and resurrection in verse 23 of Matthew 17. And there at the end it says they were exceeding sorry or deeply grieved. They really hurt. And you know, dear friends, there are times it seems that one is high on the mountain of life. Everything is going well, like we read in Matthew 17. We have the comfort, we have the ease, and then we come down into the valley called life, and everything hits, or if you will, reality once again. And dear friends, are we not walking in the valley called life? I think of the old hymn titled, we are going down the valley one by one. And are these words not familiar even to the most casual church-goer, or if one has ever attended a funeral when we hear from Psalm 23, 4, 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, the 23rd Psalm, and sometimes the misunderstanding of Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3, seem to be the most recognized verses of those that do not even consider Christ part of their life and have very little religion within them. I would also add in John 3.16, since it is quoted often and since we see that posted often. But you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do we truly understand where we're walking? I'm talking about coming off the mountain and being in the valley, and the valley is called life. In the scriptures, the use of the word valley is interesting. Thirty-nine different valleys are listed, and many, many times you and I see the word valley throughout the Old Testament, and ironically, it's mentioned only once in the New Testament, Luke 3, verse 5. Again, recalling Psalm 23 and verse 4, that we are walking through the valley. Knowing this, we walk through some valleys in our lives, and my, they can be challenging. Just like the man whose son was possessed with a demon. Just like the apostles hearing that Christ would die, would be buried, and would resurrect. The things and the discussions we see within this text of Matthew 17 reminds us that we are walking in the valley of life, and our valleys could be deeper than others. It could be a valley that you are walking through, and you're wondering, if I can get out of this thing... I believe I can do what God would have me to do. And dear friends, one can get out of their valleys in life with God's help. Or God will provide what we need to help us get out of those valleys. And when God provides, we need to accept His provision. One cannot get out without God. Today I want us to think about and to consider some of the valleys in life and to see God's help within the valleys. Shall we do that? But first, let us pause, and as I mentioned the Psalms, of Psalm 23 that is, our J. Webb has a great study offer, absolutely free, from the book of Psalms. J. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 15.4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The book of Psalms is a book of patience and comfort, and we have a study guide on Psalm 93-99, through and we'd like to send it to you absolutely free. May we do that? Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Psalm Study 2. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988, and please leave your name, address, and just say, Psalm Study 2. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type, Psalm Study 2. We'll send it right away. Let's go back to Jeff. Let's talk about the Valley of Discouragement. The Valley of Discouragement. Again, let's think of the beautiful story of the transfiguration of Christ in Matthew 17, beginning with verse 1. We can only imagine the apostles there upon the mountain seeing the transfiguration of Christ and the beauty of its glory thereof. 
And while they were sore afraid, if you will, they fell on their faces, and Jesus assured them. You know, thinking about the apostles, I, I, I think of Peter, James, and John, and first of all, they're on a high mountain. They see Jesus transfigured, and that, that's beautiful in glory in and of itself. But to be sitting there and to look up and to see Moses and Elijah talking with Christ. Moses and Elijah both have been dead for years, or to be more accurate, Moses has been dead and buried for years, and Elijah, God took him in the chariot of fire. And they're talking with Jesus. And when Peter saw that, he wanted to acknowledge the work and the greatness of Moses and Elijah. They were together with Christ. But when God said, hear him, referring to Jesus, this reminds us that Jesus has all authority, that Moses, the lawgiver, if you will, and Elijah, the prophet, the law and the prophets had done their job. They had prophesied to Christ, and now Christ had come to earth. This is an interesting study in and of itself. This would also parallel with the uh, old law coming forth, or as the schoolmaster, the tutor, bringing the law to Christ, if you will, from Galatians 3. It's again another great study, but God has placed all authority in Christ. I can imagine that the apostles were overwhelmed by what they saw. When they heard that voice come out of the cloud, suddenly, a voice that as we see this phrase translated, it was a strong voice of God in declaration. There's no doubt that they fell on their faces and they were afraid. You know, they had witnessed a lot at that moment. But Jesus touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. So he assured them on the mountain, and what a beautiful, beautiful scene. However, afterward, as they were returning to the valley, coming down from the mountain, let's summarize again. We alluded to this a little earlier but let's summarize again. There was a discussion of Christ dying. We see that in verses 9 through 13, and again in verses 22 and 23. And again, we're in Matthew 17. Here is a man with a son who was a lunatic or who was possessed with a devil. That's verses 14 through 18. Even the disciples were rebuked for unbelief in verses 19 through 21. Now, God had told them earlier on the mountain, hear him. And now they're being rebuked for unbelief. Now, dear friends, when we come down off the mountain, if you will, into the valley, we're going to be facing a lot of things that are going to come our way we are not going to expect. And we note that one must return to the valley and the challenges that are before. Dear friends, we have to live life. And in living in the valley, if you will, one indeed faces a variety of things. I know of no one that does not get discouraged every now and then. We get into that valley of discouragement, and it can guide us rather than us be guided from it or guided with it. It is so important to work through discouragement. Again, it is a valley that we all walk through from time to time. You very well could be walking in the valley of discouragement right now. You know, at times, family can discourage, as one is striving to do God's commands. 
I've known wives who have suffered discouragement because a husband does not encourage her spiritually. And there are husbands that suffer the same because of the wife. They truly love each other. They recognize their God-given commitment and God-granted commitment one to another. But when they began to be separate in matters of religion or faith, it can be discouraging. Even there's a warning to fathers to provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4. When there is a child that wants to do right, but a parent does not want to walk faithfully, it becomes a tremendous hardship on that child. Indeed, family can discourage us. But from the outset, let me say this. You may be the only one in your family that they can look to and possibly lead them to the ways of the Lord. Secondly, at times the workplace can discourage one. The constant badgering of one's faith. Behavior of others. It's like one is in a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, and you feel exactly like Lot. And when we look at these things in the workplace... I hear stories of those who are in the workplace who feel the persecution, if you will, or the trouble. Sometimes comments are made about the Bible or of God. I can remember when I was in the secular world, working every day. I was not in full-time preaching, nor working here as the speaker of the International Gospel Hour. But I can remember dealing with folks in the workplace. But also, there can be open doors. There were times that people would say, Hey, Jeff, you're a preacher. Can I ask you a question? And so we try to discuss and aim folks back to what the Bible says, the book, the chapter, and the verse. I can recall one circumstance discussing salvation in the back room of a grocery store. And I can remember writing Scripture down on a piece of cardboard, sharing it. And as this gentleman and I were talking, a wonderful man, as we were talking, yet with a disagreement, there were folks that began to gather around listening to us talk about it. We were not arguing. We were not at each other. We were just addressing the disagreements we had and to look at what the Bible has to say. So, dear friends, the workplace can also be an open door, but it can also discourage people, too. At times where one goes to church or worship, if you will, you know that can be a discouraging place. I know that may sound strange, but you know that might be the lead or the leader for the Christian who is battling discouragement. It very well could be where one attends church or worship. Decisions can be made that can discourage And dear friends, while that's a whole other topic to discuss concerning leadership and authority in the local church, we have to think on these things, and we have to look and just take the Bible and guide ourselves by what the Bible says. Let's see further what will help one get through the valley of discouragement. Number one, one must increase faith. To the Corinthians, these were already Christians. In 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 18, Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Romans 10.17 reminds us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We must turn to the Word of God to increase faith, for faith comes by hearing the Word of God. This is a faith that is an obedient faith, as we see throughout the Scripture. As we noted in Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We note a little earlier in Romans 10 and verse 15, Paul acknowledges there are those who had not obeyed the gospel. In the context of Romans 10:14 through 17 to be more accurate. And so we must increase our faith. Do we have a faith that will move us to be obedient unto God? A faith that is constantly growing and being challenged will have us look at our lives and say, "Have I believed the right thing? Have I subscribed to the right teaching?" One must also increase boldness. This is number two. Romans 1.16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel. Boldness gives us that courage to stand when we're in the valley of discouragement and to see there is a way out. In Acts 8 verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Do you think there could have been discouragement among the early Christians? When they would see those who were being committed to prison, knowing they very well could have been next, that could be a discouraging moment to where their faith could be challenged. But if they are increasing their faith, they have to increase their boldness. Boldness grants strength as faith increases. Thirdly, one must increase trust in God. Written again to the Christians in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 9, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, we can increase our trust in God, knowing that He will help us through that valley. So we must increase faith, that is, an obedient faith unto God, and in turn increase boldness and trust in God. This will help us deal with the valley of discouragement. Now, with this point, dear friends, there may be a little bit more with your circumstance. As we do throughout the broadcast, we always encourage you to reach out to us here at the International Gospel Hour. An easy way internationalgospelhour.com and send us a message. But you can also call us at our toll-free number at 1-855-IGH-6988. More on that in a little bit. Let's talk now about the valley of death. 
Once again, we return to the 23rd Psalm. Again, a psalm that is well-known and well-comforting, especially verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There were sheep that would walk through valleys that would be within a shadow of death, valleys that would not be perfect, valleys that were challenging. Maybe there were wolves that would watch upon those sheep. But the sheep had the assurance because the shepherd was with them. He had the rod and the staff. The staff would guide the sheep. The rod, the shepherd, would be trained with such accuracy that they could throw that rod and literally kill anything that would come upon their sheep. I again bring to mind the old hymn, We Are Going Down the Valley One by One. The following that I'm going to say has been stated before and will be stated again. I can't take originality for it, and I don't know who I could give the quote to, but there are four things that we do know. Very quickly, life is short, death is certain, judgment is sure, and eternity is long. A summary. Life is short. James 4.14 says our lives are but vapors. Job 7 and verse 6, our lives are like a weaver's shuttle. A weaver's shuttle would go back and forth quickly, putting fabric together from yarn. And how quick it moved is how quick life goes. No matter if we live into our 80s or our 90s, life is short when you compare it to eternity. Death is certain, as Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Judgment, therefore, is sure. Second Corinthians 5.10 reminds us that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for the things done in our body. And eternity is long. Matthew 25, verse 46 summarizes that we will go into life everlasting or we will go into everlasting punishment. Dear friends, one knows not when death will come, but one can know his destination. I am reminded of news that comes my way quite often of somebody who dies suddenly. Recently, a dear friend was eating at the kitchen table, told his wife, I feel tired and I think I've overdid it, and then he fell over on the table and died suddenly. Dear friends, we don't know when death will come, and I'm not trying to be morbid here, but we can know our destination. How about you, friend? These are things we're discussing that are worthy of careful thought and further study. Let us be of help with our free home study. Please listen to our J-Web. Kind listeners, the International Gospel Hour offers absolutely free a Bible study course by mail so you may study in the privacy of your own home. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, I want the home study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, I want the home study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Click on the Contact tab and leave us the same information, name, address, and type, Please Send the Home Study. We'll send it as soon as possible. Thanks always for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. And now, let's talk about the Valley 
of decision. In Joel 3 and verse 14, the prophet writes, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. A challenge by the prophet of God that you are in a valley of decision and you need to make your choice. We carefully read throughout scriptures the ones that were challenged with a decision. How about in Joshua 24 and verse 15, when Joshua pled with Egypt, or rather, I'm sorry, with Israel, and said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's about time you make a choice, Israel, is what Joshua was saying. I think about the prodigal son in Luke 15 and verse 18, where he had dropped down to the lowest part of his life. He said, I will arise and go to my father. He made a decision. And today, dear friends, do you need to make a decision? We make decisions every day. But we must ask ourselves, are we making the right decisions spiritually? Have we brought forth some things on this broadcast that has prompted you to think about your soul? Will you please take advantage of our free Bible correspondence courses and study through those things and let us know how we can be of help? You know, dear friends, when we come together here on the International Gospel Hour, I have to admit, it's like spending time on the mountain with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of my broadcast ability, but because of the content, the Word of God. That we can take a few moments away from life, and we can spend time on this broadcast, on the mountain, if you will, seeking those things that are of God. And then as we leave, we will go down into the valley. Let's think on these things and be prepared in the valley of life. That through our faith may it prompt us to repent as Jesus commanded in Luke 13:3, to confess Him as He taught in Matthew 10:32, to be baptized into Christ as He commanded in Mark 16 and verse 16, for the remission of sins, Acts 2 and verse 38, and out of the waters of baptism as a new creature, in Romans 6, 4 through 6, we're able to walk faithfully Revelation 2, verse 10. That will help us through the valley. Let's continue studying together, shall we? Thanks for joining me on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Oh.